0: Livestream is your premier place to watch live events on the web, mobile devices, and connected TVs. See new events daily, or broadcast your own at Livestream.com. Livestream, be there. Broadcasting from the Vegas Video Network Studios just steps from the Las Vegas Strip. It's awkward silence. 2.1. And now, our favorite host in this particular time spot, It's Brandon Gooch on.
1: How you doing? I'm Brandon Gooch on and welcome to Awkward Silence 2.1. It's a show where we get to display some of the funniest comedians in Las Vegas. We do it every single week with a new comic. Hopefully that is. So uh, you can email us at awkward at vegasvideonetwork.com. That's awkward at vegasvideonetwork.com. And you can also get a hold of us on the telly, 866-966-4599, 866-966-4599. And let's just say you miss a show. Don't worry, Angel. We got you covered. Because we show replays on awkward, uh, uh, we show replays of awkward silence 2.1 on the VegasVideoNetwork.com, Roku, iTunes, and YouTube. Got that out. So without any further ado, let's do the seamless segue to camera number two. Oh yeah! <laughs> Back in this humpy bumpy. All right, so. A brand new tell-all book about former Governor Sarah Palin reveals that she had a one-night stand with former NBA great Glenn Rice back in 1987, when Glenn Rice was in college and he played for the Michigan Wolverines. According to sources, Sarah Palin hasn't been this gosh darn upset since the last time she got screwed by a black man. <laughs> Sucking Tea Party. I don't mean to get political. And Luis Miguel Aguilar is making headlines after he bit off a man's eyebrow, chewed it up, and then spit it out at a street fight that took place in front of a house party. (laughs) Don't feel too bad for the victim, though, because he recently picked up work as a stunt double for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Gotta love The Rock. And the 2012 Guinness Book of World Records recently hit stores. And in the book, you could check out the Duchess, as she likes to be known. You see, she has the world's longest fingernails. And she simultaneously broke the record for taking the most amount of time while dropping a deuce. And let's not forget about the world's heaviest woman, Donna Simpson. Can we get a picture of Donna Simpson? Oh my god! Yeah, Donna Simpson. It weighed 532 pounds when she gave birth to her child, an event that required the assistance of over 30 doctors. Amazing! Oh, no, not not the world records part. The most amazing part is there were guys out there that willingly banged these chicks. Jesus, let's get some standards. Could you imagine getting a handy from the Duchess? Thanks a lot, Guinness. Tonight I think I'll break the world record for having the most nightmares during a single nap. And an obsessed fan who has been trying to contact Jessica Simpson for years is releasing a book detailing their sexual encounter. The weird thing is, they've never met in person. Mark William Birchall plans on releasing a 30-page novel detailing their sexual encounter. And here's the title, and I'm sorry, i got to be unprofessional. i got to check my notes because it's a doozy. The title of the book is The True Story of Jessica Ann Simpson's 22-month-long attempt to seduce a married man Her very active, super-secret sex life, True Story, Jessica Simpson, Seduction of a Married Man, Volume 1, will be available on Amazon for the low, low price of $29.99. Somebody needs to explain to this lunatic that the title of your book should never be longer than the actual book. Be on the lookout for Volume 2, Jessica Simpson and the Deathly Hollows. You know what's scary about this? This guy actually has a chance at making some serious money. And if he does, I'm sorry, Vegas Video Network, because Gooch will be putting in his two weeks immediately, regardless of the contract I signed. I know, Scott's like, what? What? I'm just saying, if you guys loved his story, you're going to love the tale that I tell of the time I had a four-way with all three of the Dixie Chicks. And don't forget about the time where I seduced Ellen DeGeneres. (laughs) Oh, I know, she's a hardcore lesbian, but wait till you hear how I tell how I turned her. Oh my god, it's gonna be steamy. And on that note, Courtney Leone is down at the Gypsy, which is traditionally a gay bar here in Las Vegas, and I gotta be totally honest, I have no idea why she's down there. Hey, Court.
2: Hi, Peggy. Gooch, I'm standing here outside of the Gypsy, and I feel at home, but not in a Play shortstop for softball team, kind of way, more or less. And I better watch the guy next to my drink, kind of way. I'm not sure what you mean by that. Well, have you ever been a straight person here in this town and thought to yourself, "What is there for me to do?" You don't have to worry about that anymore because now every Wednesday night, Gypsy has straight night. A
1: straight night at the uh, Gypsy—that makes absolutely no sense.
2: Come on, Gooch. Every person who's straight, has at least one time or another stood outside of a gay club and thought, I hate being discriminated against. Even you felt this way, I'm sure of it. But shh, you don't have to worry about that anymore.
1: Well, why would straight people need to go to a gay bar to pick up other straight people? I mean, don't we have enough establishments? We got Applebee's and Chili's and Buffalo Wild Wings, real high-end places. Uh, I don't understand what you're even getting at because straight people are the majority. You know that, right?
2: Are you sure about that, Gooch? I mean, it is so hot to be gay right now. They have their own channel. Doogie Houser's on that How I Met Your Mother show. There's um, LeBron James. I mean, being gay is the new it thing.
1: That joke was for me. <laughs> now, I don't understand why a place that caters the gay people, that's their core clientele, they cater to these people, and then all of a sudden, one day a week, core clientele, you're not allowed into the doors. It makes no sense.
2: You don't get it, do you? If I want to walk into an establishment and get me some, I should be able to pick up some dick. I should be able to pick up whatever dick I want.
1: But don't you have a boyfriend?
2: Shut your stupid mouth. I'm not talking about literally. God, you have completely missed the mark on this. You know what, Gooch? You're stepping on my soapbox. I don't like it. You're either with the movement or you're against the movement.
1: Movement? What, What are you driving at?
2: Hey, I've been sitting on the back of the bus for way too long. Plymouth Rock didn't land on us. We landed on it.
1: Courtney Leone, everyone.
2: You a white bitch, Gooch. Fight the power.
1: I am completely lost. Let's pass the mic. Shh. All right, pass the mic. This is the portion of the show where you, the viewer, get to ask me the host, a question at awkward at vegasvideonetwork.com. That's the email, awkward at vegasvideonetwork.com.
0: Scott, what's up? You got two, brother. First one's from Michelle. Michelle wants to know, did you always know you wanted to be a comic?
1: that's a difficult question, like, yeah, I thought I did, and then I bombed, and then I didn't want to be a comic, but then I did good, and then I wanted to be a comic, and then I bombed, and then the list goes on and on and on. It's a roller coaster, seriously, with no strap-ins.
0: Okay, Troy wants to know, uh, who is your biggest influence, mm. other than me? Oh, well, Scott Whitney, <laughs> of course. He could play the sixth string. <laughs> Uh,
1: Actually, my biggest influence, believe it or not, is Dave Chappelle. The first time I saw Dave Chappelle, man, it was so funny. And then, Barbara Bush. (laughs) Just thinking about it. Alright, let's do a station ID and we'll be back with our headliner.
0: Hey, baby. Hey. (laughs) Gentle. Okay, alright. Hi,
1: this is Jacob Cannon from Let's Bet, and you're watching the Vegas Video Network. Now somebody bring me a jelly donut! You know who else banks Sarah Palin? Jacob, yeah! Him and Glenn Rice just...
3: Alright,
1: and now our headliner. He's actually going to be down at the Palms comedy, or actually the Playboy comedy show at the Palms tonight and tomorrow, along with Amy or Armin Marine. Is that? I her think name? it's Arden Miran. Arden Miran. Arden Miran. Look at that. And uh, his name's Mike Young, and he's very funny. Mike Young. What's happening? Brother? Thanks, Gooch. <laughs> Thanks, Coots. Thanks right for on. having me. You know, like the research that I put into this show, right? I'm like, what's her name again? Oh, Arden. yeah, Alvin Arden. Yeah, Martin, yeah, Martin. He's Whatever. Be there. I think it was like A.M. something like that. It's all now, good. Now, here's the thing with Mike Young. You've lived in L.A. for quite a long time, but you're actually a city boy, I born and raised in South Detroit.
3: Rough streets of Detroit, <laughs> can't you tell? Yeah, it's been a—I uh, am from Detroit. Um, not the rough streets. Good mixed background. Right. You know, black, white, Arab, good, good local mixed culture community. It's mm-hmm. probably where I got most of my comedy from.
1: Right. Just picking up on all the strange things that probably took yeah. place right yeah. in front of your eyes. Exactly.
3: A lot of great characters right, right. in front of me. Didn't have right. to go far. Right, right. Yeah.
1: Like what kind of people would you come across though, I mean. I mean Because is always is always known for having like this strange amount of character. That's supposed to be like the culture mecca. And right. then you're over here saying that it's Detroit.
3: Yeah, I'm like I'm like eight mile-ish. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was a lot of there was a lot of rough things going on around me in Detroit. Even though I grew up in the suburbs, we still had a lot of great characters, you know what I mean? We were like, you know, pitching pennies in the, in the school mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, selling things during the week. Right, right. You know what I mean? Illegal situations going on. But, uh, no, it was just a, it was a great place to grow up, man. You picked up a lot, seeing, you know, trying to get along with all different cultures. Mm-hmm. So it was. I'm actually from Southfield, Michigan is, is the name of the city. And so there was 8 Mile, and then Southfield started on 9 Mile. And so all the kids got bused from Detroit into my school, and boom. It was just like, wow, mm-hmm. comedy is being handed over. You no, know, speaking of 8 Mile, for those of you who don't know, Mike Young used to be a rapper. No joke, playboy. <laughs> Are you kidding? I still got skills that nobody will ever hear. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's true. I actually, put, I actually put a bit about that in my act. I said, yeah, somebody pulled a gun scared my DJ into doing bar mitzvahs. Right, said, yeah. it, it, it was over. But uh, I really, uh, yeah, I started a rap group back in like 93 or something like uh-huh. that. We were called TKO. <laughs> and, uh, did it
1: stand for technical knockout or was uh, it, yeah, it mean something I mean, else? Come
3: on, bro. I thought I could box everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. Everything a Jewish boy wasn't supposed to do, I was doing. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, I was in a group and I sent a tape in to like a, like a local contest. And it was uh, National Academy of Recording Arts and Science was having like a Midwest contest, so I sent it in, and they called us they're like, "Yo, you're in the showcase!" So all of a sudden, I'm like, "Now I really have to go perform." And I right. never really, you know, I did done it in the studio and like recorded a couple little mixtapes, and then we end up like winning the little Midwest regional no battle. Way. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> Next thing I know, I have like a record deal that I signed with the worst. I mean, it was like. If there's something lower than an independent record label, right. I signed that. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? I was like taken into an office on Seven Mile and like two hoods with guns, like, you're going to love this contract. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it didn't work out great. They're right. like, listen, white boy, you're not even on the cover of the album. Like, right. we're going to put this record out, but you're not on the cover. <laughs> what was your name? What was your rapper name? Oh, it's so difficult. Young Mike. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. I was Young Mike. Look it up. I just flipped the name around. I'm thinking of a name.
1: Yeah. Got it. Wham! Which is which is the name that I had to fill out on my driver's license test.
3: Yeah, go ahead. I went alter ego, Gooch. I just flipped it. That's my alter ego, the opposite of my real name. Now, when you were doing the
1: battle, was it something like where you were just like, yeah, and everybody started throwing their hands up in the air and waving them around like they just didn't care?
3: Well, you know, I had the whole I had like I had the whole school behind me. I had everybody. They showed up for like the show. I had my mom. I had my Jewish aunts. baked goods were showing up. You know what I mean? I it that. was that type of thing. But then like. It got kind of serious. Like I started taking it seriously, and after and when I went out to LA for a minute, and I literally had this story where I'm not kidding. I like tried to enter a cipher. You know what I mean? Like mm. a, a, a freestyle yeah. situation that was going on. And Everlast from House of Pain no way. was in the cipher, and I'm not kidding. I just thought I could like roll into the cypher. There was no rules. I was like, where are you, the House of Pain, Lane, game. And I'm not kidding. He goes, yo, homie. And he snatched my beer out of my hand in the middle of it. And I looked down. I'm like, what are you doing? I, he had like a knife in his hand. Like I was re, Like I almost got killed. That would have been my legacy. Like what happened to young Mike? Got killed by Everlast, bro. Kid's a legend.
1: <laughs> Never saw any residuals from yeah. that death whatsoever.
3: No, it no, would have been nothing. We'd have sold nothing. You know
1: what? You should have won as the fourth Beastie
0: Boy. That's all I'm pretty sure. Oh, right. That, was, that <laughs> was my dream. <laughs> we got a question. What's up, Scott? That clown boy wants to know what does Mike miss about Detroit? Wow. Oh, is it possible question. to miss Detroit?
3: Do I, I do love Detroit. Right. I'll be honest. I love Detroit. I miss, well, obviously, I miss family. I miss friends, I I miss going downtown and like, you know, just experiencing that culture. Like when you're in L.A. for so long, you want to go home and get refueled. Mm-hmm. And that's like the real deal back in Detroit, you know? Right. You can feel the struggle. Well, yeah.
1: you can feel the struggle, but you can also it, it's a sense of realness. I mean, people are actually breaking their ass out there in yeah. LA, everybody's doing something so they can try and get somewhere else. And nine times out of ten, you know good and damn well those people aren't gonna get to that something
3: else. Exactly. LA there's an air of desperation. In mm-hmm. Detroit, you might be desperate, but you're working all day mm-hmm. to pay the bill. That's the that's the difference. Right. You know, in LA there's no there's there's no bill. It's right. Like, who am I gonna sleep with to get to the middle? <laughs> How can I sleep my way to the starting line? How do I
1: sleep my way into some air conditioning? Exactly. Mm. By the way, I want to thank
3: three of my exes for that. You really got, you got a great deal. Sure, it was a one-bedroom, but you know, thanks for leaving the jewelry. That'll be hawked. <laughs> just paid rent with your bracelet. He's bringing 8 Mile to L.A. Yeah, we can't playing. Young that. Mike! It's the reverse of the Fresh Prince. <laughs>
1: So you know, one thing. Speaking of LA, though, is you were actually on Entourage, or you were you were were you a part of Entourage?
3: I got a good. I got a you know, in the in the half hour special that they just did, they you know, Doug Ellen who's a good friend of mine, had mentioned when they were casting Kevin Connolly that he couldn't get Connolly in for a meeting, so they had to call me because I was friends with Kevin for a long time. So I do I do have an affiliation there, and then Doug actually gave me an office for the first two seasons, where I kind of just helped out punching jokes and. And uh, working on storylines. And I kind of like wrote for two seasons while it was going on. It was probably one of the most fun times mm-hmm. of my life where I was getting laid for nothing that I did. You just answered my next question. Because yeah,
1: I am more than positive you have definitely surpassed your own means by, hey, I'm a writer for entourage.
3: Really? Let's make a baby. Well, no, what ha- I'll tell you my problem is my social life has beaten out. My professional life, <laughs> right? You know what I mean. I was on a private plane with Doug and the cast of Entourage, going to a party in Vegas before I had a job, really. Right. You know what right. I mean. So i would like, it's all backwards. But yes, everything you can imagine did happen. Were you there know?
1: were there any of like the female co-stars that you ended up? I this mean, is getting the most good. I, got, I never had you know, somebody want to talk about their sex life. You know, this is the
3: great. Most, <laughs> the most I got was like an arm rub from like a, good, like a hot cast member at <laughs> a late night diner. I'll be honest. There were, were extras. Cold. Can I use your jacket? No, but I was yeah. sitting <laughs> here. No, I was out there wrangling extras on a Malibu beach scene. You know what I mean? <laughs> they, I was, yeah. I was taken home. You know, no, none of my girls had credits on the show.
1: Right. Well, they, but, they almost did. Exactly. They, they were trying to sleep their way to the middle. Exactly. Which is like, sorry.
3: Yeah, they got promised a lot of things. Dude. They got promised a lot of things. We had good times. No, but those guys are all buddies of mine, and it's you know it was sad to see the show end. And they did an, I mean, they have an iconic show, and you know it was a good, fun part of my life for two mm-hmm. seasons, almost two years, and it was great. Oh, so, I believe that. Yeah, I feel like I owe them a lot. Right, right. Just for my social. Surroundings. Oh, dude.
1: I'm sure some of those stories might have even made the show of, like, Hey, let me just write about this.
3: Yeah. Did, I mean, did, you a, little... did you
1: ever have any, like, real life experiences that made it into the into the show? And then some girls watching the show, like, you're an
3: asshole! I mean, Doug, he talked about uh, when, when they wrote the episode where drama gets caught sneaking into the mansion. Uh-huh. It was kind of like a reverse story that happened that actually happened to me. <laughs> I didn't sneak into the mansion, but we had planned all day we are going to the Playboy Mansion. It was going to be like the Midsummer Night Dream crazy party. And I'm dressed in like, you know, you gotta dress in like pajamas. Right. I'm all dressed, I'm doing shots of tequila. I can't, it's like the greatest night ever coming. And Doug calls and he's like, dude, you can't go. Oh. David Schwimmer threw you off the list. I'm like, what? What the fuck? Fucking friends, <laughs> hey, fucking saying? friends. Yeah. Don't clip me out. You know, no network dude's gonna throw me out of the mansion. David Shrimmer was not there for you. Yeah, sure we look like cousins, but I don't care. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Two Jews going to the mansion, I didn't get to go on that trip. But I had been there, I've been there.
0: So thank God I got there.
1: We got another chat question, what's going on?
0: Yeah, Nate wants to know, where did Mike start his comedy career? I started my comedy career at the world
3: famous comedy store, actually. I, uh, I knew I was going to be a comedian. I always knew, and I was just waiting and waiting, and I was too scared to do it in my hometown. So when I moved to LA, I waited in line on Sundays, which everybody does for like their open mic nights. And you're just waiting in line with just a gang of degenerates, half homeless <laughs> people. Like it's a bad, you've been there. It's a right. bad oh, scene. Oh, dude, that's rough. Yeah. It's a rough scene. Exactly, it's, you think
1: Everlast was hanging out there. Exactly,
3: I could have got killed by any random <laughs> comedian with <but> no <laughs> fame. Uh, so I started at the comedy store, three minutes, and uh, Mitzi Shore saw me there one night on a Sunday, and said, "You've passed. You're a regular. Call me on Monday." And boom, it was like the great—it's like the greatest thing ever. Yeah. when you get passed at the, the comedy store. The acceptance that comes with it. It is. It's it's amazing. They've, like, literally mind mind tricked us to, like, the point where, like, we're just happy to get a, we're just happy to be here. Forget the money. I don't need money. (laughs) I'm an artist. Yeah. (laughs) So it was the Comedy Store. That's cool. I owe a lot to the Comedy Store. We got another question. Look at that.
0: Because he knows Mike. Oh, no. I hope this could be my boy. He said, uh, ask Mike if his comedy act is as funny as his shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Zach.
3: I know you. Zach is actually one of my best friends for years, and I know this is him talking. Um, he's made it into the act. Because I have a bit in my act where I say, I have one friend who's so lazy, his goal is for me to make it. Right. It's Zach. So ask Zach if his fucking job has changed in the last 20 years, which is nothing. <laughs>
1: Zach found a nice place to nestle in your coattails. I'm
3: making a nest right here. Yeah,
1: these are great shorts, Zach. What are you kidding? <laughs> they have the yeah, they have pockets for you, yeah. Zach. Come what on now. Any? Jump in.
3: Sure, I wear them every day, but find your own shit, Zach.
1: <laughs> so you have your website, mikeyoungcomedy.com, and you have a blog on there, and that you recently just updated.
3: Very recently, like 30 seconds ago. <laughs> um, I do have a blog. I started, I've been single now going like a year and a half, and so I started referring to myself on stage as single Mike, mm-hmm. and I don't even know where that came from, but it just became like this weird thing that I started saying. And then I just started this blog where, because my married buddies and friends with with girlfriends would always ask me, like, weird pickup questions like I knew like just because I've been dating a ton of girls over the last year and a half. So yeah, I started this single mic blog and I've been given advice that I have no business giving at all. Right. Because if I had any idea, I'd fucking have a girlfriend. Bro. Right. You know what I mean? So it makes no sense, but it makes sense. So I've been in the field playing. It's been a strong field. Well, just because
1: you found somebody doesn't necessarily mean that you don't know how to do it. You know what you remind me of? You remind me of Clint Eastwood and Unforgiven. Sure, he's been out of the game. But when he needs the kill, exactly. he comes out there and he takes them all out. See you later, Gene Hackman. Yeah, way to put me on a pedestal.
3: <laughs> I remind you of Clint Eastwood, legend. Well, I'm just saying, look at that t-shirt yeah, right they're The good. It. The good. I love it.
1: Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's in, the, in pretty much your blog. Like, what, what are some of the pieces of advice that people ask you? I mean, because, like honestly, what? if you don't know how to talk to women, especially if you reach a certain age, like if you reach your 30s yeah. and you're having a hard time walking up to a girl, like, come on.
3: Yeah. You know? Like I tell my buddies that are like just getting out of long-term relationships and like they're getting back in the single game, it's like you slow it down. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Don't just jump in the game. It's like getting out of jail. You can't just like you don't just come into society and start eating with everybody. You know what I mean? You got to protect. You're still protecting your food. You know what I mean? You're still not trusting. Just ease into the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just don't just roll into the supermarket and think you could talk anyone. Frozen food section. Right. You know what I mean? You gotta fucking work your way around the produce. You know what I mean? <laughs> take it slow. So, Baby steps. Is yeah, what I'm, you're I'm coaching my buddies. I'm coaching my buddies. You I've see. been in the game long enough. And,
1: but pretty much though, a lot of the times, they just don't have the confidence, and that's all it is. I mean, the idea that you were calling yourself Single Mike just opened the floodgates on stage. It had to have been. It did.
3: People started yelling after my shows, like, Single Mike, uh, that happened to me. Like, they were like, I think, like, I might have to start breaking out t-shirts or something. I definitely I mean, think it yeah, should. I think it is. I think the Single Mike thing is good. But, you know, may, who knows? Maybe I just can't have a relationship while the career is going <laughs> right. well. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> the better Single Mike does, the worst of relationships
1: well you know what that's definitely a difficult thing especially in your position being on stage and being involved with movies and, and movie stars uh, there's a lot of women out there that can't handle that because their insecurities just start reaching an all-time high And meanwhile you're just like look just relax but yeah. they just can't handle
3: it yeah when I went, to, I started going on the road like I did a bunch of gigs with Saget like I did open for Bob Saget for like 10-12 shows we had a great time and I remember, and I did that with Joe Rogan. I went on the road, and I was in a relationship at the time, and the girl I was dating was just not cool with it. Was just, where are you? Why didn't you call when you landed? Uh, you know what I mean? Where? What, who, what hotel? Who's there? And you just, it's just difficult. It's just, yeah. it's just an easier ride being single on the road, for me. Right. Some dudes can handle it. You know what I mean? What they they do their show and they go right to bed with a club sandwich. Right. <laughs> but that's that's their way of handling it. Like I, that's not me. I can't just go back to the room right after.
1: Well, that. it's difficult because for I mean that just, you don't want to be a hermit. You know what no, I mean? Oh yeah, got it, your just, fans. Yeah, you have your fans. You got fun to go out there and have. Look, if I go to Chicago, I plan on going to Dicka's and throwing back a couple of beers and enjoying myself. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that you got to check in with your girl like you're. You know Bruce Willis and Die Hard with a Vengeance, where you got to get to every payphone. I'm here. You know uh,
3: that's just not fair to you. I remember landing, and uh, and Rogan was driving us, and my girl was just bitching at me in the back seat on the phone. And he just turned around. And he's just like, "You're just a fucking lame." you I think he even <laughs> threw me off the tour. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, he I, just kicked yeah, you out of I the taxi. Be comf- like, I beat it. <laughs> I wasn't even comfortable <laughs> handling my <laughs> business. Like when you're not, you need someone that's going to support that. Right. And it's tough to find it. If you don't find it, just Get rid of it because, mm-hmm. you know, how are you going to support somebody without your career? So Exactly. Well
1: first part is you got to be able to support yourself. And, if, if, and honestly, if you're not a man and a man is somebody who takes care of himself, how are you going to be at a good chick? Right, That's what they have to understand. we got uh, another chat question. What's going on,
0: Scott? This is a multi-part question. Clown Boy said, does Mike dig Jewish chicks? And then I said, uh, are you a Jewish chick? And he said, no. I'm a Jewish guy from Detroit who was immersed in Jewish girls as a youth and now want nothing to do with them.
3: Listen, buddy, your bar mitzvah's over. Just relax. There's good Jewish girls out there. I'm not against Jewish girls. It's going through a phase. It's just a phase. Jewish girls have a lot of good qualities. Get in good with the father. If you don't have a job, he'll hook you up. Just just, just slow down. Don't be against Jewish girls right now. Wait, something tells me that clown boy is actually Zach.
1: Hold on a second. It might be.
3: Clown boy sounds familiar. Second, and his alternative
1: <laughs> <fucking> personality. <laughs> He's like, hmm, well, I'm trying to ride a good, good Jewish boy's coattail yeah. right
3: now, I just don't know what's going on. Yeah, no, I'm not against any group of girls. Actually, <laughs> I'm open to all right, of them. Right,
1: exactly. Why not? And that's the one thing I never could understand is hot is hot. You know, it, hot, you know, hot is hot. everybody's going I've met people that are like, oh black girls, I don't know. I mean, you really you mean to tell me like Beyonce just came out of nowhere and exactly. tried to hook it up. And no matter what the race is, I mean, if you, you find him attractive, you're gonna try and find you're gonna try right. and hook up with them.
3: Well that's somebody like fighting their DNA. You know right. what I mean? That's like a dude who's like some redneck family, Hey, you know what I mean, the great grandfather's still right. racist. <laughs> he just in his in his mind he can't get over it. But yeah, exactly. You throw Beyonce on his lap, all that changes. Right, right. Yeah. That,
1: So uh, you actually wrote a script for Jeff Daniels?
3: I did. Well, I didn't write it for Jeff Daniels, but I wrote a movie called Right Angle, and Jeff Daniels is starring in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's um, also Aaron Paul, the kid from Breaking Bad, Mm -hmm. who won the Emmy, and Tom Barringer's in it. So yeah, I wrote a movie a year and a half ago. I wrote it for Gilbert Films, the guys that did Kids Are All Right, And it was based on a true story. And I got a phone call one day, the kid's from Detroit. And it's this story, it's like, it's like Little Miss Sunshine in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. This kid had this tragic accident. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? I just the way it sounds right there. It's about <laughs> It really is, though. It's going to be hilarious. Well, this kid wrote a journal about his life and his life after the accident. And after the accident, his family started falling apart. So he's like getting better. He's like t- made the decision to like get his life better. Meanwhile, his dad's like smoking weed and banging young chicks. His brother becomes a degenerate gambler. His mom's falling apart and she's like a neurotic mess. And I read this journal and the producer said they had sent me the journal and said, you, you know, Do you see a story in here that we could maybe turn into a movie? And I read it and I was like, I see the movie. Mm-hmm. I got it. And so they hired me to write it. I wrote it and boom, we shot it in Detroit for five weeks. And we're editing right now. So That's awesome. Hopefully, it's good and it doesn't suck. And uh, yeah, we'll see it on the big screen. Now, something like that, when you actually get
1: picked up, does I mean, do people see that you wrote the script and then life all of a sudden becomes easier, or is it just back to the straight grind?
3: It's right to back to fucking misery. Yeah, it is. I mean, the great, the, the most joy is like actually physically like writing it, mm-hmm. and then you hand it over, and then it goes to a director and now you're like you know you got your creative battles going on and i'd love to say that it's like all beautiful and easy and like it's the it's so exciting and it is once the movie will be done but there's like creative headaches going on mm. cuz you know you think you have your idea of funny i have mine and even though i wrote it i don't own it now right. so you know oh. i don't own it so you got to just you know And I remember having a meeting and the guys kept going like, you got to kill your babies. You got to kill your babies. Like saying, like, you got to kill your Mm -hmm. creative ideas, your jokes. And I remember looking across the table thinking, fucking Detroit's about to jump out of me right now. Right, right, I'm going to kill your (laughs) baby. You know what I mean? Like, you're my baby and I'm going to kill you. (laughs) We got
0: another question? Yeah, we do. We got a couple. One from Bill. Bill wants to know, since your work on Entourage, uh, have you done any acting as well?
3: Not really. I mean I I've had a couple like development deals for sitcoms with with uh networks but I've never we've never made one so they like sign you to a deal and they want to make a sitcom with you or a deal with you and or a show with you and unfortunately I just haven't connected with like the right showrunner to where we just haven't gotten a, a show on the air so I've mm-hmm. had a couple deals uh I've been in a couple plays I've done a little acting but for me to call myself like a real actor kind of is hard mm-hmm. because I have friends that are real actors and like they, they they take it seriously and you know when I do get a role like the next like if I do get another deal and it does go I'll take it seriously but you know I haven't done a lot of acting
1: no. What what are you more are you more of a writer are you more of a comic or are you more of a Good writer, question. Or an Gooch, actor, you know good I mean? question.
3: Yeah. Um I consider it like the same, I consider like writing and stand up kind of like the same mm. art form you know just like a different way to express it So that's like a hard question. I think I'm like exactly the same on both ends. Mm -hmm. Like I I love the process of writing and I love performing. So to me, it's like the same thing. And most comedians, if they ever took the time to like learn the craft of screenwriting would probably be better than half the dudes that are writing shit. We're just like a, a, you know, comedians are just a lazy group. Right. They're up at 2 in the afternoon, you know what I mean, getting getting coffee and, like, not taking shit seriously. But, like, my friends that are comedians, I tell them, it's like, yo, learn how to write a script because you're already funnier than the dudes that are Mm -hmm. getting shit out there. So, you know, that's just, I I think I'm both, you know. There's no better feeling. I got to open for Russell Peters in front of 12,000 people in San Jose. Rocking twelve thousand people, there's just no better feeling. That's greater than any shit I've ever felt really at is. my desk in the half dark. You know what I mean, like brooding and dropping eye danger if I'm my keyboard. <laughs> you know? So I can't say I'm more of a comedian than a writer, but I enjoy rocking a crowd more than anything. That's just the greatest. It rock is a good feeling.
1: feeling. The adrenaline that pumps. Through. I mean, like when you when you print out a good page, that's great. It's not. It's nowhere near twelve thousand people. I mean, your heart's racing, oh. and then you got to tell yourself, relax.
3: Yeah, ethics. exactly. Yeah. It's a different beast. It's like the laughter's coming in slower. It's mm-hmm. like, ah, Yeah, yeah. That's my imitation of 12,000.
1: <laughs> <laughs> of 12,000 after um, Mike Young's strong joke. Well, Mike, I got to tell you, it was great having you on the show today. Thanks for having me. And uh, before we leave, we like to play a little game with, uh, with our guests. We call it 330. We ask you three questions that you have to answer under 30 seconds. Do it up. All Let's right, do we, got th- we got it. We ready, Scott? Ready. All right, and go. Who is the lead singer for KISS? Gene Simmons. All right. My All right. brother's a
3: huge fan. Got him an autograph. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> Who came up with E equals MC square? A- Einstein. All right. And what is the first verse to West Side Connection's Bow Down? Oh, oh,
3: motherfucker. Oh, I know. Ah. That was 30 seconds?
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you have it on there? I'm upset. It's the world is mine. Better get back. Don't fuck with my stack. The gauge is whack. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All on right, Mike. Thank you very much for stopping by the show. Thank you can catch Mike down at the Playboy Comedy at the Palms tonight and tomorrow with Arden Marine. Very funny. I've actually seen him in person. And don't forget to check out his blogs at mikeyoungcomedy.com. And we'll be back next week at 1230 with more Awkward Silence 2.1. If you caught the last couple seconds of the show, don't worry about it. We're on vegasvideonetwork.com, Roku, iTunes. And uh, YouTube. Thank oh, you very man. much. We'll see you next Friday at 12:30. Thanks a lot, bro. Yo, thank you, brother.